0: The JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month. For $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show, and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business? You want me to talk about it? I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus, you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio patreon.com slash JSC radio, and you can truly help this become the people's podcast. This is JSC radio.
1: People have talked about a miracle. Uh, I'm hearing about a nightmare. Uh, It's hard to be a parent tonight for a lot of us. Uh, You tell your kids, don't be a bully. You tell your kids, don't be a bigot. You tell your kids, do your homework and be prepared. And then you have this outcome, and you have people putting children to bed tonight, and they're afraid of breakfast. They're afraid of, how do I explain this to my children? I have Muslim friends who are texting me tonight, saying, should I leave the country? I have uh, families of immigrants that are terrified tonight. This was many things. This was a rebellion against the elites. True. It was a complete reinvention of, of, of politics and polls. It's true. But it was also something else. We've talked about race. I mean, we've talked about everything but race tonight. We've talked about income. We've talked about class. We've talked about region. We haven't talked about race. This was a white lash. This was a white lash against a changing country. It was a white lash against a black president, in part. And that's the part where the pain comes. And Donald Trump has a responsibility tonight to come out and reassure people that he is going to be the president of all the people who he insulted and offended and and, and brushed aside. Yeah, when you say you you want to take your country back, you got a lot of people who feel that we're not represented well either. But we don't want to feel that someone has been elected by throwing away some of us to appeal more deeply to others. So this is a deeply painful moment tonight. I know it's not just about race. There's more going on than that. But race is here too. We got to talk about it. Bigotry won last night.
0: This country, as we know it, lost last night. Now, it will always go down that one candidate won and one candidate lost. But let's let's cut the bullshit. Bigotry won last night. The civilized parts of this country lost last night. It was one of the most shocking, stark, devastating nights of my life. And of the lives of so many people of color. So many of the LGBT all of us. People who believe in common sense lost last night. People who dared to even think that maybe this country was a little bit better lost last night. Fear, ignorance, anger, bigotry, racism, sexism, xenophobia. All of the worst characteristics of our society as Americans and as human beings. All of that won last night. That's what won. (sighs) Of all things, I've always kind of considered myself a bit of an amateur historian on the presidency. It's a weird quirk about me. I can rattle off numerous wanton facts about presidents, about presidential elections, as well as I can pull off random factoids about baseball or about 1980s WWF. In the pantheon of American elections, this election, which seems like it would be unparalleled, has some semblance of precedent, It's crazy as that sounds. In 1876, Rutherford B. Hayes and Samuel Tilden were locked in a fierce battle for the presidency. They were running to replace two-term president Ulysses S. Grant, the Civil War hero. And Rutherford B. Hayes ended up winning. In the only one-point electoral college, and we'll get to that, electoral college decision in U.S. history. He won 185 to 184. Remember, at that time, you only needed 185 electoral votes to get the presidency. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Hayes lost the popular vote. But turnout was the highest ever. But it was also a bit of a referendum. See... It was a disputed election, and people like to talk about 2000 and Florida and all that, and that's where we thought we were headed last night. But 1876, Tilden actually led 184 to 165. He needed one more electoral vote, essentially one more state to claim the presidency. The final 20 electoral votes were disputed. Those states were Florida, Louisiana, South Carolina, and Oregon. Both parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, claimed victory in the election. So what to do? Because things back then, obviously, again, 1876, things were not the way they are today. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. They had to figure out who won because Tilden actually had the lead and had a claim to all four states. But Hayes, a Republican, also had a claim. To all four states. What eventually happened was what was essentially called the Compromise of 1877. Hayes would be allowed to get the 20 electoral votes if he agreed to pull the rest of the federal troops out of the South. You know, the federal troops who were stationed in the South, the former Confederate states helping to mandate this little thing called Reconstruction after slavery. This compromise was reached. So despite the fact that Samuel Tilden actually straight up won, 184 of 185 needed, he ends up one short because Hayes and the Democrats compromised and he got the presidency. And his presidency led to the end of Reconstruction and the beginning of this thing known as Jim Crow. It basically rationalized and legalized segregation. This presidential election of 1876 of Rutherford B. Hayes had ripple effects that are still felt in this country today and directly infected and affected, and that was intentional, this country For nearly 100 years. So why am I bringing up. A presidential election. From 140 years ago. So long ago that radio wasn't around. That photography was in its infancy still. Because last night we very likely got Rutherford B. hazed. Again. Except this time there was no shady compromise. This time. It was almost like an insurrection of sorts out of the weeds and out of the shadows. It's something that had been building, truly building in this country since 2000. Donald Trump was elected president of the United States. More than 59 million people voted for 59 million plus Hillary Clinton actually got 60 million people. There's talk of this as a mandate and this country has spoken. Hillary Clinton actually had more people vote for her, but because of the wonderful electoral college that I just described to you, she's not the president. By the way, that that marks the fifth time in this country's history that the person who got the popular vote didn't win the presidency. 1876 was actually the third. It's the second time in 16 years that someone... Won the popular vote, but didn't win the election. Donald Trump did. And he did it by basically pandering and fomenting and welcoming ignorance and racism and bigotry and xenophobia and homophobia and anti-Semitism in its waning days and sexism and anti-intellectualism and anti-Americanism. The man literally insulted everyone, from veterans, to women, to black people, to Arabs, to Muslims, to gays, to Latinos. He went after everyone. 59 million people voted for him. And I mentioned it on Monday. I don't want to hear this economic anxiety bullshit excuse anymore. I don't want to hear people dare to clutch pearls and take umbrage to being called racist or prejudiced for supporting him. Members of the Ku Klux Klan, members of white supremacist groups were literally taking victory laps around the country today. Men like David Duke, and I use the term man very loosely to describe him, were cheering This victory by Donald Trump, the Ku Klux Klan, the Ku Klux Klan endorsed this man multiple times. They were doing robocalls for him in the South. But you're going to sit here and tell me that just because I support Trump doesn't make me racist. Yes, it does. Because the only thing worse than someone being an outward racist is someone who's willing to look the other way. Someone who's willing to treat behavior like this. Not as something abhorrent, but as just a minor character flaw. If you're willing to look past the fact that this man essentially attacked every ethnic group, attacked women, attacked veterans, a man who never served a day in the military. He never served a day of civil service. He's a con artist. He's currently on trial for fraud. But you were willing to look the other way? I only can make one conclusion about you. And so many others will too. I've heard interviews where reporters We're saying, oh, we don't want to offend any of of Trump's supporters by suggesting they're racist. See, that's part of the problem. That's how this happened. We're too afraid to say what it is. You're too afraid to offend the 59,270,000 people who voted for him. Meanwhile, the 60 million who didn't. Are looking at you like, what about us? Imagine waking up this morning being a black man or a black woman or a Latina or a transgender man or a lesbian or a Muslim. Picture being someone in Dearborn, Michigan. Picture someone living in South Philly wearing a hijab. Picture being a member of the LGBT community in Charlotte, North Carolina. Imagine living in San Francisco right now or in Atlanta. Imagine being a Somali immigrant in Minneapolis, Minnesota. What does that say to the rest of us in this country? That somehow millions and millions and millions of people mobilize behind a man who has the backing of the Ku Klux Klan who denigrates everything this country stands for. I honestly thought we were better than this. Seriously. I honestly thought we were better than this. What the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? How do we get here? I know how we got here, actually. I mentioned on Monday that eight years ago, I was in Grant Park. I was in Chicago when President Obama was elected. I was a part of that throng of people, that amazing scene out there, that historic scene of Barack Obama and Michelle Obama and Sasha and Malia walking onto the stage triumphantly. Maybe the greatest of glass ceilings in this country's history. All due respect to Hillary Clinton. All due respect to the countless women who've been fighting for equality, gender equality, gender respect. But Barack Obama strolls out there having shattered maybe the biggest glass ceiling this country has. Being the first black president of the United States. Eight years ago. Eight years ago, I stood in Grant Park. I reached into my pocket and grabbed my cell phone and called home to Detroit where my mother was on the other end of the phone in tears. She she was stunned. My dad is in the background laughing, laughing because he, he, he was ecstatic. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. My mother is in tears, and then I broke down because I thought about my grandfather. I thought about my grandmother and my aunts and and uncles who, who, who had passed away before this could happen. To the friends of mine that I grew up with that were no longer with us, who couldn't see it. It was one of the proudest moments of my life and I don't think I'd ever been more proud to be an American than I was on November 4th, 2008. On November 8th, 2009, I was never more ashamed to be an American citizen. As I watched state after state after state after county after county after county in places that you wouldn't quite expect it, go for that man. Bigotry won last night. Ignorance won last night. There's no comparison. I'm not going to sit here and make some asinine comparison to a sporting event. And hell, I've been in a stadium. And watched my my childhood team lose a World Series game. It was a gut punch. It was rough. I've seen Rasheed Wallace run out on Manu Ginobili and leave Robert Ory open. It was devastating. I've seen Sterling Sharp pop free and get found down a sideline. And walk into an end zone. Devastating. I've seen the Detroit Red Wings lose a seventh game at home in the Stanley Cup Finals. Devastating. This entire 2016 college football season. Devastating. I was in the building when my college basketball team lost a national championship game in a blowout. Devastating. None of that touches what happened last night. A sports loss is a kick in the balls. It's a gut punch. It hurts. But you can walk past that. Because it's sports. And in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't have that great of effect on your life. This election was not getting kicked in the gut. It was having someone push a machete into it. It made me wonder what the hell went wrong in the last eight years. Let's just keep it real. A majority of white, uneducated people felt the need to essentially unilaterally hand this country over to a con artist. Hillary Clinton was as magnanimous as she could be today giving that concession speech, considering how just gobsmacked everybody is. No one expected this. President Obama, who by every metric and on every level is the polar opposite of Donald Trump, spoke today and it was clear that he was hurt. I mean, think about the indignities that this man has had to put up with for the last nine years, a fair amount of which perpetrated by Donald Trump. From the second the man took office, Trump made it his goal to try to delegitimize this man's presidency, this man's legacy. Doing ignorant things like calling into question his citizenship, that was long proven. The fact that Obama even catered to him and released that birth certificate still bugs me. Obama has had to put up with indignity after indignity. From the day he took office, he had to deal with a Republican Congress that refused to work with him, that spent every single waking day trying to delegitimize him. You got Mitch McConnell saying straight up, our goal is to make him a one-term president. And when he defies the odds and he got reelected four years ago, They went out of their way again to try to embarrass and delegitimize the man. And who's leading the charge but the angry pumpkin wearing a wig? Donald Trump. With the birther crap. Constantly making comments about him. Taking shots at him. Talking about the man's record, about his family, about his legacy. Everything. Refusing to give up. He peddled and pandered to the worst elements of this society to delegitimize Barack Obama's presidency, a presidency that literally changed the lives of millions of people of color, that made you believe that you could be at the top of the world. You're able to believe in yourself. And of all the indignities that this man has had to put up with, President Obama, The final indignity is now that after eight years, signature legislation making this country little by little a lot safer for the LGBT, being an inspiration to black kids and Latino kids, fighting back against bullying, taking a stand for climate change. He's got to hand the reins of this country over to the man who was recently as six weeks ago, was insisting that he wasn't born in this country. How did we let this happen as a society? How did it get here? What did we do? Bigotry won last night. Ignorance won last night. If there were ever a time in any of our lives where now we know where we stand as people, The next four years, starting on January 20th, 2017, are going to be frightening. And it's going to be a test of who we are as people. There are 319 million people in this country. Not even half of them decided to vote last night. And a majority of them didn't vote for the guy who won. We have to stand up. I don't mean with Facebook posts. I don't mean with cute little tweets. I'm talking about standing up for injustice because they're coming. This man is going to get unfettered clearance to do whatever he wants. They're already planning on kicking 25 million people off of their health insurance with no discernible replacement. Because if Trump has taught us anything, is that he talks a big game, but when it comes time to deliver, it's often an empty shell. They're planning on stacking up the Supreme Court in such a way that they're going to start attempting to strip as many rights and liberties as possible. Be prepared to fight. Be prepared to stand up. The time for talk ended last night. Because bigotry won last night. Ignorance won last night. But it doesn't have to remain in charge. One final note. On that 1876 presidential election. The one that ended Reconstruction. The one that essentially ushered in Jim Crow. And nearly a century's worth of state-sanctioned racism in the United States. There's one other thing about that election. That out of everything else. Could bode well for the future. Rutherford B. Hayes who made that god-awful compromise, he only served one term. He was out in four years. I talked about voting on Monday. One of the biggest elections ever. Won't be 2020. It'll be 2018. Midterms. That's when those senators and those congressmen come due. You mad as hell right now? You hurting? You pissed off? Good, 2018, you got two years. Mount up, get everybody together. Start finding people to make changes. The groundwork is always laid in the midterms. Get registered to vote, get active get mad or risk having another day and another night and years more of what we had last night bigotry won last night it's time for us to fight back take care of yourself God bless always there to be different I'm J. Scott Smith and this is episode 23 of JSC Radio appreciate all the support, and be sure to tell a friend or two friends or three friends about this podcast, and let's make this thing viral. In fact, let's make common sense viral again. I'll holla at y'all soon.
1: Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. (laughs) Check it out.
0: This is JSC Radio.